You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clatch. Hey everyone, it's Erin McCourt here. I just wanted to jump on real quick before the episode to first thank everyone for their patience. I apologize for the delay in this episode and to let you know that it is because I broke my elbow. Erin McCart posted it on the Instagram and Twitter if you saw that, but it is healing. So I think we're back on schedule. I wanted to say number two, this episode was recorded before Roe v. Wade was overturned. So the discussion is appropriate for that time. And we do address Roe v. Wade being overturned in the next episode. So I hope you turn in for both. And with that, enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. And I'm excited to have you guys with us this week because I'm so excited to talk about this documentary that we're doing. Me too. It's um, timely, considering everything that's going on. The documentary is The Janes. Mm-hmm. It was done in 2022. It is on HBO Max. It is one hour and 41 minutes long. And there are two directors, Tia Lesson and Emma Pilt. Yep. So as of the recording, there has been no update on Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. By the time this is released, I don't know. Yeah, we're kind of waiting with bated breath, right? Because the word on the street is it could be released anytime. Mm-hmm. So we could be looking at our future as we're looking at our past. It's maddening. Yeah. 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 As I was watching this with John, I said, well, just so you know, if things change for the worse in the near future, <laughs> I might, I might become a Jane. Just, you know, be prepared. That's what I thought too. I was like, okay, these women weren't risking more than me. I could do this. Mm-hmm. So I loved the fact that how this kind of came together. And can I just say, I loved the music. I always love the music in these mm-hmm. documentaries that come from the 60s and 70s, like the time frame mm-hmm. of the story, right? Because the music right. is so revolutionary. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were there was so much going on then, right? I mean, you had anti-war. You yes. had civil rights. Yes. You have all of this. I mean, even in here, they mentioned like, like a housing, like they were protesting unfair housing. And it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot. Those were all huge things. Mm-hmm. And just to grow up in the time of people caring that much is foreign for me, right? Because I'm a horrible Gen Xer. Right. And I don't care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting better. Right. We, we just care a little later. We are we learning. Should. It's, yes. Mm-hmm. But also... I think because in our current time frame, it is very us versus them. And it's so, you have one side that mm-hmm. is none for all and all for me. And the other side is why can't everyone be happy and healthy? I don't understand why that's a negative thing for the country, but right. it's, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk about as we kind of get started is the footage. There's great footage of just people mm-hmm. in the streets and you could just get the sense that people were were not different at this time. They're just out there rocking the most amazing sunglasses, number one, and hairstyles yes. and hats and things like that. So it was really fun to kind of look back <laughs> at style and stuff like that. But there's just, mm-hmm. there are people everywhere just trying to live their lives, just walking about the city streets of 
Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I'm like, yes, people were, people were people just trying to live. Yep. So this documentary opens with Dory Barron Mm -hmm. and she's describing how she had to get an abortion. This is in the, I would say mid to late Mm sixties. They don't give a specific time, but it is illegal at the time. So she has to go through the mob. Okay. That surprised me. Now, I don't know why it surprised me that the mob would be doing that, but it still kind of did. Well, it's not very, (laughs) you don't associate the mob with medicine. I mean, like CD dealings, illegal liquor, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. But like, really, I think they had their hands in the pie of anything that could make them money. And when supply is low, demand is high, then you can Mm -hmm. leverage some shit out of things. So, right. And they did. Mm -hmm. So she was given, she had like a, a number she had to call and they had a talking code. She was given three options. There was a Chevrolet, a Cadillac, and a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. The Chevrolet was $500. Mm-hmm. The Cadillac was $750. And the Rolls Royce was $1,000 in 1960s money. So a shit ton of money. I do have a conversion for a 1970s to $500. Okay. About $3,700. Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean... To me, that really brought it home because it's like, you know, $500 today, I can swing that. But it really, I mean, there was a time that, I mean, I wouldn't like to spend $4,000, but it's still cheaper than having a kid. Oh, God, yes. But yeah, just to give that little comparison. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I wonder how the services differ, right? So she chose the Chevy, of course, because she's young. Most of these women are young. They don't have money. Because if you had money, you could travel outside of the country, Mm -hmm. right? But she said they took her to essentially a hotel room. There were a couple guys and another girl getting an abortion. And they were very cold to her. They essentially Mm -hmm. said three things, like lay down. Do what we tell you. And yeah. Yeah. Go to the bathroom. And then then they left. And they left them, these women, bleeding in an area town that they're not familiar with. Right. With no information of what mm-hmm. was done, what they need to do, how right. to take care of themselves. And that was the cheap package. So I'd like to think maybe there was a couple cotton balls left behind if you paid for the Rolls Royce. <laughs> I mean, we joke, right? But I mean, <laughs> it's terrifying. This was the option for these women. Mm-hmm. So she said after about a couple hours, she and this other young lady were able to get up without feeling too dizzy. And they were able mm-hmm. to like get a cab and like fade away into the night. And they were okay. But I can see how it's very easy and possible that it wasn't okay for others. So uh, yuck. Yeah. Yep. And like you said, this all takes place in Chicago Mm -hmm. and in the state of Illinois and most of the other states Mm -hmm. around the country, abortion was illegal. It wasn't considered a medical practice. It was just considered a crime. But as much as they say that, I think what's interesting is when you listen to the cops in that talk about it, they didn't really think about abortion. It wasn't really, it was like, whatever, it's whatever. It's not like, I think now where they're trying to like hunt people down and have bounties on people's heads for getting an abortion. If you mm-hmm. know about it, that to me is a whole different ball game. Well, I think it's Sergeant O'Connor that they talked to about that. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we were busy solving like murders because there was a murder every other day and stuff. Right. And so right. while it was illegal, nobody was really, this was really on anybody's radar. There was no kind of monitoring for this. Although they do talk later about the red squad. And I was like, Ooh. yeah, don't loves. Yeah. Mm-mm. At this point we do 
meet quite a few Jane members. Judith Arcana is introduced, and she talks about abortion being illegal in Illinois and how desperate women were. Mm -hmm. And so then we have Katie, and she talks about how the men were underestimating women. And so that actually worked in the favor of the Janes because they couldn't possibly be uh, capable of... (laughs) Ocean's elevening this shit into place, mm-hmm. right? So they nobody was looking at them. I love that. I love that. Take our weakness that you consider a weakness and we're going to use it against you. Right. I couldn't possibly. My tiny lady brain. I know. My pearls. Right. Mm. Marie talks about she knew that she could go to jail, but really she was more focused on the mission of helping people. Mm-hmm. Eleanor is talking about how fear really isn't useful in this situation. She's like, you know... It's going to be what it's going to be, but that that part of it I was trying really hard to not worry about. So there's a lady named Sheila, and she said that Chicago politics really seemed real. Um, This is in the time of Mayor Daley. Not really a great name in the political arena. Yeah, he's a gem, that one. Right. Patricia talks about being afraid all the time, but she really wanted to be a warrior for justice. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of talk about all these lovely women coming together from different backgrounds. So there were people who were in the anti-war protests. There were people who were fighting for civil rights. There were folks who were in the fair housing thing that I mentioned earlier. So these were a lot of mm-hmm. activists, people with a lovely social conscience who really wanted change. And they're mm-hmm. like kind of coming together and they find this cause for a lot of various reasons. But I love the fact that they each have their own origin story and they just come together with to be this incredible team. For women. Mm-hmm. There's a lady named Heather. She's talking about, you know, she she realizes there are a lot of unjust laws that need to be challenged. And then she tells this horrible story about a friend of her that was raped at knife point in her bed in her college dorm. And mm-hmm. when they went to the student services, like health services, she was lectured about stop being so promiscuous and all yeah. that shit. And they didn't help with gynecological services and everything like that. So she was basically raped which is traumatic, and then re-traumatized by the medical system, which unfortunately Mm -hmm. isn't that uncommon. So No, several of them discussed that at this time in our history as a country, and probably a lot of the world, women had very little say over their own bodies. Like they would, if they went to the doctor, the doctors were almost all men. And OBGYNs were all men. And so they, of course, know better. You don't know anything. I'm just going to do what I need to do. Don't worry about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about anything else. It was very difficult for women to try to have any ownership of themselves. Mm -hmm. And men could get away with doing anything Mm -hmm. in the name of medicine. Well, you just don't know. It's fine. This is what's supposed to happen. And how horrible and how condescending. They all discuss how condescending they were all the time. I really, I mean... In talking to my mom, I understand that there were some things like you couldn't have a checking account and you couldn't mm-hmm. own property. Without your husband. I mean, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was like there was a lot of that. I mean, and this is not, this is just outside my lifetime, right? right. But even for birth control, like, let's think of 60s as kind of the sexual revolution, right? And birth control mm-hmm. pills became available, but you still had to be married to have a diaphragm, which sounds like an archaic thing, but I know that they existed. And then when the birth control pill became available, you had to be married to get that. So the ladies talked about going and buying a cheap ring and putting that on your wedding yep. finger, you know, and then going to talk to the doctor and be like, I'm Mrs. Such and such. And I would like to have birth control to try to get around it. So yeah, mm-hmm. you can't get an abortion 
at all. And then you also can't have contraception. So you're kind of fucked on both ends really is how it comes down. But abstinence really is, I guess. Well, and let's, we'll take a minute to say statistics have proven that Mm -hmm. making abortion illegal doesn't lower the amount of abortions that are done. It Mm -hmm. lowers the amount of safe abortions that are done. Women still get desperate. Women still, they're not just having kids because they have no other options. They will find a way. And sometimes it ends in their death. And then also it is also proven if you want to prevent unwanted pregnancies, you need to promote sexual education, preventive measures like giving condoms out, Mm -hmm. helping provide birth control. And the number of unwanted pregnancies drops significantly. Mm -hmm. But when they try to put these laws in place, like they're trying to, again, then not only can you not get an abortion, but we're not going to allow you to have any form of birth control. You're fucked. And it's not going to prevent any abortions. Well, they love to say too, that the only option is abstinence. And I don't understand why we cannot get over the fact that abstinence is not effective. It's just not. Mm-mm. We just, for a variety of reasons, I would say, but like, if you don't understand how your body works, if you don't have any other options, there are going to be unwanted pregnancies. And then what? Mm-hmm. Then what happens? You're forced to have a baby and you're being punished because, you know, for slutting it up everywhere. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that baby is born, you're going to be like, I accept this punishment and this challenge. Thank you for knowing better for me, mm-hmm. society. And then you're going to be an effective parent. That's the part that I always get, I always laugh about. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have the means to take care of that child, then you are punished by having that child taken away from you. And then they will give means to someone else to provide foster care for them. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? The system is so broken, you guys. It it's is. so broken. It is. All right. I, that's not necessarily all listed out yeah. in this documentary, but we're just trying to lay some context down for you. That's an aside. 100%. Yeah, sorry. So this kind of starts with Heather. Mm-hmm. She has a friend whose sister got pregnant. and. Mm-hmm was to the point of being almost suicidal. She was so desperate and asked if Heather knew anyone. Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone who can help? So she calls around to see if she can find a doctor who would provide an abortion. And she started with some of the civil rights doctors, mm-hmm. knowing that they're already part of these movements that maybe they'd be more inclined to help. And she was directed to a TRN Howard, who was in Mississippi, I think Mississippi, right? Yeah. Until he, he stood up against... The murder of Emmett Till, how dare he? And uh, his name showed up on like a clan kill list. So he moved to Chicago and set up a clinic. Yeah. And he decided to help these ladies. I really like the fact that he came from medical civil rights, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess I hadn't really thought of that specifically. But yeah, he was like, look, the man has it in for, you know, my community. I'm going to start mm-hmm. speaking out about this. So yeah. And so here's another population that's in need. And mm-hmm. I can't believe this just shit just started with a phone call. Right. You know what I mean? Like we like to think these revolutions are like, I don't know, just they have these great, I mean, and this is a great story, but it's just like, this, these are normal people who just mm-hmm. found somebody to help somebody in their life. And then mm-hmm. that worked out. Okay. And then, you know, word got around. And so somebody else got in on it and it's just, it's, it's just such an interesting genesis. It's just a small step that starts something. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it just started very small. Like she was just trying to help a friend. Yeah. And then, of course, like you said, more and more people found out and more and more people called. And so she was helping, you know, she would get them in touch with Dr. Howard. Right. Eileen tells a story about how a girl down the hall 
knocked on her door one day and they're in dorm rooms and she's scared and she needs help. And Eileen goes back to her dorm room and there's blood everywhere. Right. This girl had a botched abortion. She was now bleeding uncontrollably and she's terrified. Mm -hmm. Eileen was able to call the doctor. The doctor was like, yeah, whatever. How much blood? Just put her feet up, get some eyes. Yeah. Call me in two hours. Yeah. uh, Fortunately, in this case, it Uh, worked and this girl was fine. I mean, yeah, physically. (laughs) Right. Right. But Eileen was like, that really affected her. It really stuck with her. Mm -hmm. And so again, another seed is planted for a later time, you know, Mm -hmm. to move into the part that really got me. We talked to Dr. Weiland. Yeah. He was a doctor at the Cook County Hospital in Chicago, and he was talking about all the fucking horrible stories of desperate women who were horribly Mm -hmm. injured by trying to give themselves an abortion, by getting crappy abortions from other people. I mean, like people broke stuff off inside of themselves. They ruptured their uteruses or bladders. People used chemicals. Yes. He said one lady used... um, Oh, carbolic acid, carbolic acid. And he said that she just had horrific burns. And so they even had a septic abortion ward. Mm -hmm. Some of the 15 to 20 women that came in a day, some of them were at the point where they were, they were, you know, septicemia. Mm -hmm. And they had a special part of the hospital to send these ladies. And these are young women. Mm -hmm. And some died. They couldn't do anything else for them. So there's also a nurse, Kathleen Kennedy who was just talking about some of the haunting stories. And that's the part that just made me cry because I was just like, I don't know what it is to feel that desperate, but just the lengths that people will go to keep from being forced to have children when they don't want to. Anyway, it's just horrific. Yeah. The doctor had said that the septic abortion ward was full every day. Mm -hmm. Every single day it was full. And he said he had to call the morgue weekly because there were deaths every single week in that ward. Mm -hmm. And I maintain that that's exactly where they're going to push us back to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting because I don't know why we cannot learn from history. Like, do people really believe that it's going to be different now? Like, Oh, people now will listen. I don't think they care. I think that's the point is it's not that they haven't learned is that for us to get what we want, this is what we're going to do. And Mm -hmm. you can be damned. The people making those rules, it will not affect they can fly yeah, somewhere true. else and get an abortion. You're right. They don't care. Thank God they're representing the people. I know, right? So great. Such good perspective provided by all these old yeah. rich white men. Mm-hmm. Thank God they know. I mean, do they still believe our uterus travels throughout our body and wanders? <laughs> Look, it causes or... all kinds of problems. You should know. <laughs> it's hysteric fraud. Yeah. Ugh. So Heather discusses how more and more people are coming to her and she had lost contact with Dr. Mm-hmm. Howard. They learned that he had been arrested yep. and she had to find a new doctor. And this is where we meet Mike. You mean Quotey Fingers Mike? Quotey Fingers Mike. He's an interesting character, that one, <laughs> he right? He is. Oh my God. Right. He's not a doctor. He had worked in construction, but then he decided he was working with a surgeon who was a legitimate doctor who was doing abortions as a side hustle. I don't know. On the side. And this surgeon showed him and taught him how to perform the abortions and perform Mm -hmm. them safely. And, you know, at least he was getting good information to the extent that you need to make them feel comfortable. You need to explain what you're doing. You need to be gentle. Yes. Yes, That was, I know. So I was like, thank God this man got some 
good instruction and he paid attention and applied mm-hmm. it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he seems very rough around the edges. You would not assume, like from the interview mm-hmm. with him, that he would be a person in which you would want to place your life. <laughs> Like in his hands, right? Right. But anyway, they said he was very, very good. But yeah, just a weird Mm -hmm. cat to end up in this position. So, right. Mm -hmm. But when Heather meets him, she kind of describes the terms that they had with Dr. Howard previously, and Mike agreed to them. So Mm -hmm. they were off and running, which was nice. It's the 1968 Democratic Convention was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Diane Stevens was talking about this. I think mm-hmm. that's her last name, right? Stevens. I just, I went with first names after a while. Cause I'm like, eh. <laughs> there were so many women, all amazing, mm-hmm. but, but she was discussing how she wanted to go downtown and see what it was about and be part of it. And so they were sitting in the grass, just kind of hanging out. There's video of them just sitting, hanging out in the grass. Yeah. Grant park. It's all good. Right. Mm-hmm. People like picnicking, lounging. It looks like they're at a concert, yeah. but a peaceful, like, think air supply concert you know what I mean it's just like super <laughs> yeah. low vibes nobody's up right. and being rowdy um there's no mosh pits or whatever it's just hey don't talk to my mother-in-law about that I guarantee she's standing up screaming throwing her underwear at an air supply concert look I mean they had some sweet sweet jams <laughs> I was trying to think of some like very mellow yacht rock right yeah yeah, yeah. a uh, little river band maybe I don't know <laughs> yeah so all of a sudden tear gas is shot into the people who are just sitting there hanging out and then they look up and they're being rushed by police. And that seems like an extreme reaction to absolutely no provocation. Right. And oh boy, the footage on this one, they Mm -hmm. are just night sticking the shit out of everybody. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Just beating the shit out of these kids that were just there to hang out and see what's going on. And even if they were there to protest, that's their legal right. Mm -hmm. They weren't doing any harm. Right. They had the fucking nerve to exist in a place. That's all they were doing. Fucking dare they. How dare they? At this point, I mean, after they show all this horrible footage and I'm like, oh my gosh. They talk to Michael, who was one of the husbands of one of the Jane members. And I think he's Judas. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says they're called radical lawyers because, you know, all these kids were arrested and they're trying to get them sprung. And there is this fantastic picture of him in a doorway with a phone and he's all like, you know, kind of like Wolverine looking. I mean, he's just like full beard and he's got like, oh, he's just <laughs> such a treat for my eyes at the time. Like he does not say he looks like a radical lawyer. Such a great day. Yeah. But that yeah. was really, that part was fun to see. Yep. I mean, it, and a lot of them discussed how, this riot that happened, mm-hmm. the police, you know, cracking down and being dicks like they they are a lot yeah. at the time, it kind of reinforced that anti-government sentiment that they already had brewing. And now they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't like that. Right. They push people too far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what really started the Janes at an SDS, Students for Democratic Society meeting, the topic is... The women problem, the women question, something about women. Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. And Heather was talking at this convention. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, most activists at this time were men. It is a very male-dominated environment. Those ladies, they don't know. I mean, I guess they could bring coffee. Yeah. yeah. They're all at home in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. While she's talking, a man stood up and was actually, he, he told her to shut yep. up. 
a woman is talking about women problems, which was the topic of the day. And mm-hmm. a man actually told her to shut up. My blood boiled. Yeah. When I heard that. I love the fact that she got up. She mm-hmm. like quietly went around. She got the attention of all the other women, like a tap on the shoulder, that kind of thing. And they all left. Yeah. 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 Peace out, yo. Mm-hmm. Clearly you don't want us. And that's where she started, I guess this is where the Chicago Women's Liberation Union kind Mm -hmm. of grew out of that. They would sit in at all male restaurants. The fact that there were all male restaurants blows my mind. But then I think if they were all female restaurants, I would totally go there. So I get it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I like the footage of this too. And there's like ladies speaking and all kinds of ladies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. They're just organized. (laughs) They have amazing signs and it's. Yep. It's exactly what you would think a bunch of women would pull together. Like it's stylish and also poignant, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And organized, I'm sure. They would give women who worked downtown, they would give them rides because these women were being catcalled. And so they didn't feel safe. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of came to the attention that a lot of them realized they wanted to help with abortion, but most of the people working on abortion rights were just doing it in a political manner, trying to bring visibility mm-hmm. to it, trying to help people understand why it, it's healthcare mm-hmm. and it needs to be considered healthcare, right. why it needs to be legal. And these women were like, we just want to do something. We want to have action. Right. It's sort of um, like, what are we going to do for the women today that need this versus like, I love the you know idea of like working for the long-term solution, right? It's always smart to do mm-hmm. that. But what are we going to do today? Right. So yeah. And a lot of these women have uh, stories of their own abortions. Mm-hmm. Eleanor talks about she had an abortion and she had no anesthesia because you had to be able to get up and walk out of there like nothing had happened. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. Good Lord. That's horrific. A lot of this time, women weren't, they weren't explained to what was happening to them. And that's terrifying Mm -hmm. too. So yikes. But I love the fact that Heather and Eleanor meet and that's really the start of the Janes. They have about 12 women Mm -hmm. that get together and that's when thoughts are put into action, right? Right. They have flyers and shit everywhere. Like it's advertised. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh girl, that's crazy. I know. It just said, essentially, pregnant, call Jane. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think they could probably play that off because they used Jane Mm -hmm. because it seemed like a common name. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anyone's name. Eleanor allowed them to use her phone number. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the answering machine said, if you need to get a hold of the Smiths, I can't remember her last name was, or Jane, leave a message. So it was like she was an actual person. Mm I mean, if the wrong people call, you could be like, oh, we're just doing counseling. We just want to make sure right. everyone is okay. You have mm-hmm. the vitamins you need or whatever. You could bullshit your way out of that. Right. It wasn't like, say, hey, get an abortion here. It was just a way to right. make contact and kind of make that establishment. Right. And so the messages they said were all over the place, right? Like women would be desperate and they would forget to leave their number. So they couldn't get back. Mm-hmm. They tried really hard to respond quickly because when you're in crisis, you... You need that. Like, what's my way forward? But sometimes they just Mm -hmm. didn't get all the information. Right. Yeah. They developed this three by five Mm -hmm. card index system. And so they would put the name, contact info, medical details, how far along and how much money they had. And so as these women are now still have these cards kind of going through them, some, some women had $20, some women had $4, some women had no dollars. Mm -hmm. And they took that into consideration to the extent that they asked those who had more 
to give as much as they could because it would help provide abortions for those who didn't have money because they wouldn't turn you down if you did not have the money. And at this time with the men doing the abortions, clearly the men are only in it for the money, right? That's, it's a job. Yes. How wonderful. Yeah. But each of the Janes would essentially counsel 10 or so women a week Mm -hmm. and explain to the women what would happen how it worked, the entire procedure, the entire day. Like Mm -hmm. we will meet you here. We'll pick you up. We'll take you somewhere else. This is what's going to happen. It was very transparent. And that had to ease some nerves because it's a terrifying situation. Yeah. So they would invite the patient over to the house of the counselor that you were matched up with, the Jane. Mm -hmm. And they would go through these explanations of like, this is what you can expect you can bring your children if you, you know, you have to, or you can have someone to support you. You know, they were mm-hmm. open to that. Then they said a lot of the times patients would just kind of feel compelled to justify, like, this is why I'm doing this. And I, you know, and they, I mean, like, mm-hmm. these are some very complicated situations about, you know, I already have children or uh, my husband's leaving me or my husband's not leaving me and he's a total dick. I mean, like, it didn't really matter, but the ladies right. were like, I appreciate that you feel like you need to do this, but from my perspective, you don't have to justify it to me. And I was like, what a gift that is to just be like, I support you just as you are. You don't have to tell me why you want this. It is Mm -hmm. okay that you want it. And I'm like, when in your life on any subject as a woman, is it just okay to feel the way you feel? Never? Never. Never. Yeah. I mean, and let's put in perspective, even now you hear people make comments like, well, I don't agree with people who use abortion as a form of birth control. Stop that right now. Everyone who says it, no one is using this as a form of birth control. One. Right. And two, back then it was fucking illegal. It was dangerous. You could lose your life. Right. So people weren't going into this without serious consideration, understanding that this was a better choice than having a child at that point in time for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Yeah. So at that point, after they gave their explanation and then, you know, you kind of set plans in motion Mm -hmm. for the day of the event, let's say. Mm -hmm. So an address was given to the patient for what we're going to call the front, which is in a waiting area situation. And then a driver would come and get you and take you to the place. And I say the place because that's what the terms that they use. The the place was actually where the abortions were happening. Mm -hmm. And they had a driver. One of the Janes would be a driver for the day and shuttle people back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, kind of talking to the women about, you know, if you can, please pay what, you know, whatever you can, because we're concentrating on, you know, having you through the system safely. And then the next person, whatever you can do to help, help them as well. I don't know. It's just crazy to think about the logistics and the planning that would have had to have been done to pull this off without a hitch. So. Right. And they had, they moved around, right? Mm-hmm. So they did it a couple of days a week, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if each day or if each week they used a different residence for the mm-hmm. front and a different residence for the place mm-hmm. and people had to volunteer. So like one woman said that her friend volunteered her apartment, mm-hmm. but by the end of the day, they still weren't done. Like mm-hmm. her, her friend had come home from work and they were still there. And so, you know, they had to continue doing what they were doing, but her and the friend were no longer friends. Right. Right. But yeah, people volunteer their own homes if they're members of the Janes, but mm-hmm. then other people would volunteer as well. Right. I also thought it was fascinating that they talked about they could set up a clinic in 15 minutes. They could tear yep. it down in five. 
Yep. And I'm like, oh, the efficiency. I loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, these are friends' apartments. These are family homes. I mean, they're in plain sight of neighbors and stuff. So a savvy neighbor probably yeah. could have figured out what was going on. A lot of women coming in and out. Yep. Mm-hmm. They had their kids packing pill care packets, like for afterwards is kind of what I'm envisioning. And they're like, we need 10 blues and 15 pinks <laughs> and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. I love women. <laughs> I know it was. So Jody and Wayne, mm-hmm. Jody was a Jane and Wayne was a Jane husband, if you will. Their kids very much knew that there were days that they were performing procedures at their house. And so they'd come home from school and just go straight to their rooms. They knew not to talk about it, but this was something that just was happening. I love that everyone in the family was involved to the extent that they were all trying to help mm-hmm. and that her husband was like, yep, let's do this. Not like, oh, you stupid woman, well, right. you know, whatever. They were part of it. Well, Jody seems like a just giant force of nature, and I love that. Right. Yeah, she seems <laughs> a really cool broad. I do think, though, at this point, they kind of talk a little bit about... There's a crank call or a call to Mike and Judith in the middle of the night. It's a lady who's wanting to talk to Jane. And then a man gets on the phone and he's all like, I don't know where you are and blah, blah, blah. And they freaked out and like packed up a bunch of stuff and like ran out of the house. And then, you know, kind of figured out later that it was a false alarm. But that's what you were living with. Yeah. Yeah, It's terrifying. Yeah. And then they talked a little bit about Jody and that she was a mother of two. She ended up pregnant and had cancer at the same time. And she spent days and days Mm -hmm. in the hospital trying to convince people that she needed an abortion because maybe not going through pregnancy and cancer is the best thing for her as a patient. So after tons of lobbying, she was able to get the procedure, but again, it was horrible. And, you know, she just got all spicy about it and was like, I don't want other people to have to suffer the way I suffered. And so, you know, that, like I said, this is brought on by a lot of firsthand experiences with the medical and legal and whatever. So, I mean, real life teaching us lessons and like the beauty of it is that they don't want other people to have to deal with what they dealt with. And so they're trying to make, you know, Mm -hmm. different ways forward. And I just think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. They said some OBGYNs would actually pass their information along. Like if a patient came to them, explain the situation, they're like, well, I can't do anything, Mm -hmm. but here's a number they might be able to ask for Jane. Yes. I thought that's amazing that they would do that. And not all of them, like someone in the Janes would often call back and say, Hey, would you be willing to help us more? And a lot of them are like, fuck you. Don't call again. But (laughs) they probably got some help. Crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's illegal and they could lose their license and everyone, I get it. I get it. It's a risk that a lot of people don't want to take, but Mm -hmm. enough people took the risk that it did help. Well, I think it kind of harkens back to, you know, you're calling legit places to see if you can get a certified doctor to help out Mm -hmm. when really the other options were super sketch. And they had a big list of people that they knew not to work with. They kind of kept a file on people that were extorting women to perform sexual favors after you get this abortion done. They talk about people that were hurting people intentionally or unintentionally, but they had a giant file, so they were always kind of looking to make sure that they could keep the service going with legitimate and caring providers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind right. of come back to Mike at this point, and he was kind of in it for the money, but they did talk him into doing it for free from time to time. I mean, like, mm-hmm. they don't really discuss a lot about the funding. So it's not like 
Bruce Wayne was in the background giving him a ton of money. Like they were just kind of figuring it out as they went. They were looking for providers that would do this out of kindness and generosity. And Mike's like, why would I do this? And they're like, stop being a dick. The women that are going to pay are going to pay. The women who are not going to pay are not going to pay. And you're still going to do it. Okay. And so he did. So. Right. I mean, what do you say when you have 10 plus angry women looking at you saying, listen, motherfucker. Right. And I. You do it. You do it. But he said it all came out in the wash and, you know, he still made really good money. So yeah, exactly. So, you know, you get the sense that this is working. This is a system that's working. They're able to help women, but Mm -hmm. the investment in getting it done the way they wanted to get it done must have been Mm -hmm. crazy. Like the energy that they spent and took away from their own lives and families and the time investment. Yes. The fear that you must have had to get found out or, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things. So yeah, it's just craziness. Well, And they discussed that they were doing it essentially in the open. Yes, they were taking precautions. They were moving around. But for the most part, people knew what was up, right? But it was very much a, you're not doing any harm. Mm -hmm. We have other things to worry about. Mm -hmm. They were left alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is good. Keep in mind, Chicago, they explain, is a very Catholic city. Mm -hmm. I was not aware of that. Not that I pay attention. I mean, I guess I don't think of it that way. You know, now it's kind of... (laughs) You think of it's kind of a liberal town, and I don't know that you can't be liberal and religious, but they seem, at least in my lifetime, to not so much go together. Bit of odds. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of religious and liberal, mm-hmm. they have the clergy consultation service, not the Catholic Church. There is a group of like ministers, preachers, rabbis. Sure. Non-denominational, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Who form the clergy consultation service. And there's a lady, a lady clergy. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, Reverend Donna. And she kind of talks about the religious implications of abortion really isn't a great grounds for this argument against abortion. It's more of a a front, which we're all shocked at all. But yeah, so the clergy consultation service is supporting abortion. They get a big donation from Playboy. How hysterical is that? Well, Hugh Hefner has probably paid for quite a few abortions in his (laughs) day. So he's probably like, yep. But what they did differently is they were working kind of in parallel, right, Mm -hmm. with the Janes. But what they did is they brought in women and helped women who could afford to travel Mm -hmm. to get abortions. And at this time, it was traveling to England, Japan, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. Japan seems like a really long way to go. I mean, but it is smooth. I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to think of why. (laughs) I mean, it looks like a great place to visit and I would love to go. So if you could lump that into my next vacation, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. If we can get someone from Japan who likes the show, blows it up, we'll come <laughs> yes. to her there. That'd be great. We will come and tape in your closet. It's great. <laughs> um, but because of them doing this, well, no, mm-hmm. let me go back. In 1970, New York State makes abortion mm-hmm. legal. So that changes mm-hmm. things, right? So now they're sending, the clergy service is sending everyone mm-hmm. to New York. It's a lot yes. cheaper, I'm sure. But that changes the demographic quite a bit of who called mm-hmm. Jane for their services. Yes. Yeah. Right now they have predominantly people of color, lower income Mm -hmm. are the ones that are left without any services at all. Right. Yeah. And the women who are in Jane are predominantly college educated white ladies. And they were like, Mm -hmm. we realized that this could have made people uncomfortable. They seem like they tried Mm -hmm. to do their best to, you know, have awareness and be sensitive and all those kinds of things. But they were, they were the first to say, we probably made lots of mistakes. And, you know, they thought the the patients that they saw were probably aware of what was going on there. Right. They do kind of talk about 
the cost of some of this stuff. So I'm going to say market value for an illegal abortion at this time is $500. Mm-hmm. Kind of the Chevy package that we talked about earlier. <laughs> but to give you kind of a comparison, $150 a month was rent for a decent apartment in Chicago at the time. So this is like, you know, a couple months worth or more, almost three times of, of what rent was. So again, if you think about it in today's money at $3,700, that's a lot of money to come up with yeah. very fast because <laughs> you don't have a lot of time. You got, you know, limited, yeah, limited time to work with this. So you don't have time. Yeah. They introduced us to a Jane lady named Peaches. And I'm like, that just says it all right there <laughs> that they're, you know, mostly white women helping mostly, you know, women of color and minority ladies. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it was tough. They talked to Peaches and then they kind of got to a brown lady that's talking about going and visiting the Janes with a friend of hers. She mentions being 14, mm-hmm. but I don't know how old the friend was. Yeah. Right. Probably similar age. Yeah. Yeah. And what it was like to go into the apartment and they were like, you know, we just went into an apartment and there was like kids and football on and, you know, it was just <laughs> no little slice of life. And they went and they talked to the people and, you know, the procedure was done and, um, you know, she kind of talks about the transportation and some of that kind of stuff. But she said she never talked to the friend about it again, but they were able to do what they needed to do. And move on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Yes. That was a, a crazy story because you feel bad for any kid at that age. Mm-hmm. I just can't even. But there's at least one, if not more, brown women within the Janes. Yes. And I know that they're predominantly white, but when I think about someone of color being part of this, they're risking even more. Because if they get busted, who's going to get charged with harsher crimes, with harsher time, mm-hmm. with everything? It's the brown woman would be punished much more severely. So I feel like they're mm-hmm. risking a lot more to be part of this movement. Well, also, it occurred to me, too, that... So they need a driver, they need a couple, you know, people to participate and kind of run the operations of the clinics a few days Mm -hmm. a week. They don't talk about if these women that are part of Jane, do they work outside the home? There's no discussion of that part of that. But I can imagine if you are not in a great financial situation, which is probably fairly common for brown and black ladies at this time, you know, I don't know that they would have had the option to help out. I mean, it's probably a thing where whatever you can do, we will take. Right. But I I was curious about sort of what the situation is for the women who ran Jane of how they could do this like all day long, mm-hmm. three or four days a week, two or three days a week. So. Right. Well, and keep in mind, if any of them were married, some of them yep. were, we know, mm-hmm. a family of four could live on one income. Right. Then. I mean, yes, a lawyer is a good income. I don't know what some of the other husbands did. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing a radical lawyer doesn't make as much as, say, <laughs> typical defense lawyer. Sure, sure. Of course. But yeah, it's it was a different time where you could survive on less, but still mm-hmm. not easy, I'm sure. And you do tend to do the things that are important to you, right? So like I said, I, mm-hmm. I the network of women that came together to do this, I'm sure they had all different kinds of skills. And, like, you yeah. know, they cobbled it together however mm-hmm. they could to make it work. Yeah. But I did want to mention that that lady in the story talked about getting a book called Our Bodies, Ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it talks about, I mean, she said that's the only education about reproduction and, you know, some of those aspects of her body that she ever got. And I'm like, it was from the Janes. Yeah. yeah, It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just love the idea of like, not only are we going to help you today, but we're going to give you some literature (laughs) so you can, you know, yeah. So I, I liked that. Right. So you understand your uterus is not floating in your body. It is anchored. 
Right. Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> Some of the things that they thought about women is absurd. No, I mean, but isn't that the way you will be easier to control if you don't know how the fuck your own body works? I mean, that's really what yeah. this comes oh, down yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. If doctors are the only ones that know, you have to trust them. Well, and they do discuss a little bit. There, were, It's just in passing. When they're talking about abortion rights, they're talking about they want they want abortion be, to be legal. They mm-hmm. want contraceptive to be freely distributed, not to the extent mm-hmm. that they're handing them out free, but more so that anyone can get a prescription. Right. And also for sterilization to end. Now that's something they don't really talk about, mm-hmm. but it was a thing. I think a lot of times, especially with the brown community, mm-hmm. that you would go in for a procedure and you'd come out and look at that. Now you're sterile. What the fuck? Yeah. But again, here we are, a bunch of old white men making decisions for everybody. Mm-hmm. We must move away from this, please. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am thankful that, well, I guess my, my GP is, is a man. But everyone else, no, my oncologist is also a man. But my oncology surgeon mm-hmm. is female. My entire surgical team, including my anesthesia doctor, was female. Mm-hmm. My girly doctor is female. Everyone else is female. And that made me feel so much better going into surgery seeing all these lovely ladies' faces, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think a a male doctor sometimes has a bad connotation, especially in, you know, now I think maybe there's more emphasis on bedside manner and, like, good communication Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a big advocate of if you can't talk to your doctor about uncomfortable things, you need to find a new doctor. They provide a service. It's not... You know, they have to be able to work with you because you're your own best advocate. And I I love the fact that nowadays, at least I feel like we have more choices. But yeah, to to have a doctor that will listen to your needs and concerns and shit like that. And then you're supposed to trust them just sounds so foreign. But that's what everybody did at one point. You didn't have any options. Yeah. And I'm not saying all men. My GP is wonderful. But I mean, yeah. I always come back to the stories of the husband stitch, which I think is just Ugh, grotesque. So let me give you a little horrible education, everyone. At one point in time, when you had a baby and your vagina tears, like your, what's the actual name of it? Perineum. Your perineum tears during natural childbirth. There are some situations where you need to be sewn up because it's, you know, such a way. And then there are times when you don't need to be sewn up, but the doctor would either suggest to, to stitch you up so you'd be nice and tight for your husband next time or just stitch you up and not ask mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh that's just and that's not for you that's not for healing it's not for anything else it's for your husband and I'm like that's so gross and I will stop my tirade thank you okay mm-hmm. you're welcome all righty okay at this point in time we learn that Mike is not a doctor mm-hmm. everyone kind of assumed he was a doctor he had the skills mm-hmm. the he had a good bedside manner, but once they learned he wasn't a doctor, some of them didn't want to be part of the group anymore because they didn't feel comfortable advising women to go mm-hmm. do this procedure with someone who wasn't a doctor. That being said, you have been working with this gentleman for a long time mm-hmm. and you knew what he could do. So that seems a bit, I don't know, counterintuitive, but, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But Mike, who wanted to get out of the business because he didn't want to have to work for the mob. <laughs> Again, who knew the mob was so prevalent? Anyway, yeah, he taught the women how to do abortions. Mm-hmm. 
And that was interesting because the women, once some of the women, once they found out that Mike wasn't a doctor, thought that's the first thought they had was he yeah. can do it. Mm-hmm. I can totally do it. Yes, you can. It's interesting to think about, right? So is it because like the women who decided that they wanted to leave because he wasn't a doctor or that they didn't want to have the responsibilities of caring for a patient in such a direct way? Mm-hmm. Is that because they're afraid? To me, that's sort of what we've been taught about the medical establishment, right? That it's magical and doctors are mm-hmm. gods and blah, blah, blah. And they're really just people. Mm-hmm. I've known some horrible doctors. <laughs> oh, God, I know. <laughs> and some great ones, too. So, like, mm-hmm. no disparaging. I mean, like, it takes a ton of work to get to be a, an amazing doctor. And you can really change people's lives. But I think it's interesting to see, yeah, what you're talking about. The ripples that move through the group after they find out about Mike. And kind of the sides of the line that people fell on. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Mm-hmm. But they continue. I mean, you know, like I said, we're women solving women's problems. Throughout history, mm-hmm. this has been a woman's problem. Mm-hmm. And we're just taking care of it as we always have. Dory, we meet Dory again. She was mm-hmm. the one at the very beginning who explains the horrible mob abortion. <laughs> she has to get another abortion. And she explains how drastically different it was to go mm-hmm. through the Janes. And she also made a comment about how she was raised by nuns. And the nuns are horrible. They treat you like shit. Yep. Beat you. Abuse you. Yeah. Yeah. And for her to hear women speaking to other women kindly and being supportive and being caring, Mm -hmm. she had never seen that, did not know that women could support other women. Mm -hmm. One that breaks my heart that you went that long in your life Mm -hmm. thinking that women would not support you or vice versa. But it makes me happy that she was able to see that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like, it was life changing to see that. She said that. All the words that she heard the day that she was there were positive. Mm -hmm. And I just, I thought, I agree that women can be very horrible to women. And I wish that that were not the case. Right. So there's room at the table for all of us ladies. You do not have to climb all over somebody to get ahead. It is, it's just not have to work that way. I think a lot of women fighting against women is based in misogyny, right? Men teach you that that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so that's what you do. And that's, yeah, women need to support other women. Mm-hmm. Build them up. Be yep. happy when they succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they also talk about how they try to keep in touch with women for about two weeks after the abortion. They want to make sure they're okay, their health is okay, and everything went okay, which is interesting considering if you think about the one at the very beginning, they left them bleeding in an apartment where they didn't know where they were yep. and never talked to them again. So that's nice. But then they tell the story of an African-American girl, a young girl, and she comes in. And this one affects all of them. They all tell the mm-hmm. story, essentially. She came in. She already had a fever. She was infected. So either she had tried something already or someone else had tried something. Mm-hmm. Or something had been done to her. Yeah. Which was, I was like, yes. oh, I hadn't even thought about that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they could not perform the abortion because she was sick. Mm-hmm. And they tried to get her to go to the hospital, but she took off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they called the house or they called her the number they had for her and called. And eventually I think their pastor picked up and told them that she had passed, Mm -hmm. but it turns out on the, on the death certificate, it said septicemia. So Mm. yeah. And they felt responsible for that. I mean, like, I think in the years that have passed, they kind of 
resolve that maybe it wasn't really their fault, but there was a lingering thing of like, we could put her in a car or we could have taken her directly to the hospital. Could have done more. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it, it wasn't something they did and they understood that, but they all felt like they could have done more. Right. And that's heartbreaking. Right. And they kind of talk about, Jody specifically talks a little bit about, you know, they're doing at their height, I guess, 30 procedures a day, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And while you're helping people, you're also hearing, you know, face to face, like people's fears, people's anxieties, you know, it's a lot of energy to care for people and to like be mm-hmm. in this stressful situation. And I think um, in the long term, Jody mentions being really affected and she says, I got to get out of here. And she actually checks herself into a psychiatric hospital so she can get some mm-hmm. treatment for her mental health. And again, commendable. Yeah. Mental health is still something we have trouble discussing and being okay that people take care of this is almost to the point where like, oh, you need to try, you know, just to smile more. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. Why aren't you happy? You have nothing to be sad about. Ugh, Stop it. Yes. Yeah. And she discusses how, I mean, you just see this never ending flow of Mm -hmm. people who are desperate and in despair Mm -hmm. And you feel like it's never going to end. So even though you're helping, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many Mm -hmm. more that need help. And you start to feel overwhelmed and helpless. And probably why bother at a certain point? You're not, you don't feel like you're really doing as much good as you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. So at this point, Sergeant O'Connor comes kind of back into the picture. And there's some (laughs) women that come into the station. And they mm-hmm. come in to say that their sister-in-law is about to get an abortion. So they know the plan for her to get this abortion. So they know where the network is going to be. And they're like, well, it's a sin. It's a sin. We believe it's a sin and we want you to stop it. <laughs> so they, Fuck I know, off. I was like, well, isn't that convenient for you? So mm. they talk about going into talking to the police and all the police are like, okay I don't really know what to do with this this was that far off of their radar like again they're like right we don't even have people that are looking at this, <laughs> this is the well thing? I mean and I did mention the red squad earlier was a crew of people that were keeping tabs on the revolutionaries around and they all had a file mm-hmm. and blah 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 but I don't know what happened with that information so they they are aware right. that they could be tailed or they could be a, being watched and so they did some things to try to throw mm-hmm. them off but as far as the taking action on some of this information, at least in the abortion arena, nobody was worried about that. So right. Sergeant O'Connor talks about like basically trying to push it off on somebody else, but they aren't able to do that. They're like, well, you're <laughs> homicide and this is somewhat related. So here you go. And I was like, well, that's cool. Ugh. Yeah. So they talk about the day. I think it was June. I didn't get the I did. Date. So it's May 3rd of 1972. I got the 1972. I was so close. June, May. eh. So May 3rd, 1972. They discuss it was a busy day. Mm -hmm. Judith was the driver that day. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because she's talking about taking people from the front to the place and how she uses evasive maneuvers every time, like like they're being followed. Mm -hmm. And she goes, in this day I was. But obviously your evasive maneuvers were not quite so evasive because the cops followed you the entire way. (laughs) 
to the place. Well, I mean, and they talk about some clandestine stuff that they do. And I'm like, God, I hope they were wearing like mm. fake beards like early on. And then they were like, eh, they got a little bit more mm. complacent. So, I mean, it's hard to say, but um, yeah, her <laughs> efforts to throw them off just didn't really work. Yeah. They watch the woman, the, the sister-in-law mm-hmm. that they're essentially looking for. Cause that's the one person they know yes. what she looks like. I'm guessing go into the building, they get into an elevator and he's so funny. He's like, and there was like a metal thing that showed which numbers they went to. So we knew which floor we went to. And I'm like, God damn, thank God you're a detective. I know. Thanks Sherlock. Seriously. Right. (laughs) We all know how elevators work. Thanks buddy. (laughs) Jesus. It's top notch. Are you on Dragnet? I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) But, uh, so they go up in the elevator and as the elevator doors are opening, you have Judith coming back mm-hmm. towards the elevator with another woman who had just finished. And so they're walking out and they realize that this is probably people they need to, they're looking right. for whatever. And they look at this woman, not Judith. And they're like, did you just have an abortion? And the woman breaks down in tears and cries. Of course she fucking does. She just went through a horrible procedure. Well, also he's very threatening. He grabs her arm and he's like, yeah, you know, kind of, towering over her and I'm like that's fucking aggressive y'all and of course yeah I think anyone that's a very human moment she's like yeah I did and so he's like show me where right of course she does yeah of course she does and they bust into the apartment all the women that were there say that it was the door was kicked in but the detective was like oh I don't remember kicking in the door we must have just knocked yep that's absolutely what happened you seem like that type Mm -hmm. of person yeah they go in and they're looking for the doctor. That's my favorite part of all this. They're like, where's the doctor? Where's this man doing all of these things? And they should have totally lived it up. Like he ran 100%. out. 100%. Go get well, him. That's what she said. He must be like, oh, we don't know. Like maybe he's hiding and like hanging out of the window by his nails or whatever. Fingertips. <laughs> I love the fact that she said we threw all the instruments out the window. And I'm like, God damn, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one woman, they had a pork roast that they had brought, you know, because they're going to be there all day. They need to eat. And these are women of, you know, the home ec age. They made pork roast. And one cop, it must have smelled good. She said, one cop said, what's for lunch? She looked at him. She goes, pig. <laughs> I was like, you tell him, girl. Good on you, but girl. that's another thing that I loved about this is like, I'm telling you, women, we do not get enough credit. They are organizing. Mm-hmm. They are executing. They got lunch ret to go it's homey there's kids mm-hmm. around i mean i'm just like oh they're getting shit done yes yes and they're being nice to each other at this time I yeah know. so and feeding them men would be like listen i don't know even how to make a sandwich so <laughs> that's the at least that's what this that's then. the slogan of the 60s i can't possibly make a sandwich of my own good <laughs> lord so these women were arrested. It, I didn't get all the women's names. I know Judith was one I think of there them. were seven of them, right, that ended up getting arrested mm-hmm. for this, but I didn't get them all down either. So, yeah. And, you know, the novelty is Judith's, Judith's, that's not easy to say. Her husband is an attorney. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful. And they talk about as they're in the truck going to jail. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get rid of these index cards that has the information of the patients mm-hmm. and they have no other way to get rid of them. So they eat them. Yep. Oh shit. Index cards are, they're tough, yeah. man. I can't even imagine. <laughs> the ladies are like, those are fibrous. <laughs> right. Ooh. Oh my God. You dry mouth. Like you would not believe. 
if they get to the station or wherever, the cops are pissed because they're not, like, just spilling all the information. Yeah, they're not folding. Yeah, they're trying to, like, oh, we know how you did it. And she's like, did what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not giving them anything. Mm-hmm. Good on you, ladies. Well, they said even the patients, like, they had rounded up some of the patients and brought them. And, you know, the cops are like, how much did you pay for things? Or he said one lady looked directly at him and she's like, I hope you know you're not doing me any favors today. You know, because they're pissed that they're at the police mm-hmm. station. And they're also pissed that they didn't get their procedure that they probably desperately need. Right. So. And he's like, oh, you know, don't blame me. This is what he said. He said, don't blame me. I'm just doing my job. And then it was just fine, whatever. But then he says, you're an adult. And I wanted to reach through the TV and smack that motherfucker. I know. You are an adult. I know. Oh, Jesus, be a fence. And then he laughed because he's like, the only place we had to put him was, you know, I don't know, Lady Lockup, whatever yeah. they called it. <laughs> Although I think that's what it should be called from now on, Lady Lockup. And he's like, those poor ladies of Jane brought in with the streetwalkers. I know it. And I thought, because they're not people also. No. One, they might have known some of them. They might have performed procedures for these lovely Mm -hmm. ladies. Then the ladies discuss how one sex worker in particular was like telling stories and making them laugh, kind of getting their mind off of things and, you know, really kind of calmed them down. Mm -hmm. It just, these people deserve respect as well. I know. I know. Sorry. He was kind of a dick. Yes. And it, again, here are the attitudes against women of all varieties, whatever your station or occupation might be, everybody's just people, y'all. Like, everybody's just trying to get by. I don't understand why we insist. Well, again, a soapbox for another day, I guess. But yeah. But this is in 2022 or 2021 that he's filming this, making these comments. It's not like they filmed this (laughs) discussion back in 1968, right? Right. I mean, it's for fuck's sake. I mean, again, you just want to be like, you know, this mic is on, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I told you what the documentary is about, right? Right. To be a man Sorry. in a very female-centric documentary is probably ballsy move. But again, here we are with a very male man who's just like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Thank God he was there to help us out with this or we wouldn't understand anything. Um, they talk about, yeah, being in Lady Lockup, as I do now so love to call it and there were people screaming and there were people going through withdrawals and people dealing with all kinds of shit mm-hmm. probably all completely on their own as yep what jail seems to be like at this time and maybe still is but you know these women are like i knew stuff was going to get serious when they had you know they took our fingerprints and maybe they had some dirt on us that they didn't have before and you know how scary mm-hmm. and alone that they felt and then you know talking to judith Obviously, her husband is a lawyer. They have her up on the docket to get sprung first because she's a nursing mother. (laughs) Yes. Bless her heart. When I heard that, my boobs hurt for her. I know. And she said they was so painful that she had to go express in this gross sink. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. girl. Mm -hmm. But she's, yeah, a nursing mama. She's a college grad. Um, She's married to a lawyer. So she is going to be a sympathetic case and so Mm -hmm. she does get bail and they they get her out of there and then I assume the others to follow but they don't really go into the story of that the ladies continue Jane continues it's good works despite the heat and the press they do have to change up their process a little bit they're a little bit Mm -hmm. more careful because they know that people are watching now they're Mm -hmm. you know got some awareness of that and each of the women that were arrested were facing 10 charges 11 
So 11 charges that ended up being like 110 years in the slammer. Yeah, because so. one to 10 years for each charge. So it was 11 counts of abortion and conspiracy to commit abortion. So total, they could each get up to 110 years. Yeah. Fuck that, man. I did love the story where they're trying to find a good lawyer. Mm-hmm. And most lawyers this time are men. And the what? way they talk. Yeah, I know. Like everything else <laughs> is happening. All these dickhead male lawyers are super condescending. And I'm like, so you are a defense lawyer. You're super condescending to potential clients who have to pay you. I just think that's Mm -hmm. an interesting strategy. Right. And let's keep in mind that Judith's Judith's husband, Michael, is probably also helping them try to do this. So he's another lawyer. So I would think they'd at least be less condescending. But in the end, they're probably talking directly to Michael and not talking to anybody else. We've had that happen, right? I've had that in interviews where I'm interviewing people and they don't even look at me. I'm like, how do you think you're going to get a job if I'm the hiring manager? You seem easy to go along with and and good on training. So (laughs) yeah, welcome aboard. (laughs) Marie, from her civil rights days, knew a lawyer who was the lawyer for the Black Panthers and had done a lot of civil rights work. Her name was Joanne F. Wolfson. Mm -hmm. I like that when Marie first called her, Joanne was like, fuck that. I hate hippies. (laughs) (laughs) Not doing it. Right. And Marie's like, whoa, 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 but you're a defense lawyer and this is a good cause and I'm part of it, even though I'm not part. Mm-hmm. She wasn't one of the ones who got arrested. Thankfully, yes. again, they probably wouldn't have let her out on bail. I know, I know. So we're thankful for that. But she mm-hmm. was able to talk Joanne into becoming their lawyer. And I loved how I think it was Judith talking about Joanne when they first met her. Like she was wearing this canary yellow outfit. In court, y'all. In court, yeah. And she yeah. said when she spoke, she talked like God. She was so yeah. smart. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk like God. I don't know what that sounds like, but I don't either. But I'm like, I could pull off canary yellow, right? Like I am wearing my yellow tank top in reverence today, but she had a canary yellow briefcase, a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I was like, she's my hero. Right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I could not carry off canary yellow. I would look dead. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Judith also says, I don't remember her shoes. And I'm like, yes, because she was such a visual treat that she didn't all get all the way down there to the shoes. <laughs> I'm guessing they were fucking stilettos and oh, she was ready to kick someone with them. Loved it. And she had like, she was rocking this super short pixie. All the pictures, she's just my favorite. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Joanne was aware that Roe v. Wade was being reviewed Mm -hmm. at the Supreme Court level. Right. So her strategy was just delay, delay, delay. She Mm -hmm. would file these motions after one after another. Standard things. I mean, this wasn't, you know, anything that anyone would question. I think she did it very wisely. Strategically, yes. uh, Mm -hmm. Kind of prolong until, you know, they could figure out Roe v. Wade in which Mm -hmm. that was finally decided on January 22nd of 1973. And abortion was legalized. I secretly wish it had been on January 23rd because then it would be on my birthday. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah. But what surprised me about that is then never really look much into it. Mm -hmm. You just take it for granted. Sure. But keep in mind, I believe all the justices at that time were male. Yeah. I don't think there was a female justice yet. Mm -hmm. And the overwhelming majority of the justices approved of a woman's right to choose. They decided it was between the choice was between a woman and her doctor and not the government. Yep. Which is very similar to what the New York law had been, right? That had been Mm -hmm. approved or legalized or whatever shortly before that. So I feel like 
when one domino falls, right, then it's sort of easier to jump on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that that was already in place. Yeah. Because keep in mind, before this, it's not like it was illegal across the land. They just, it was a state by state, right? Mm -hmm. And the majority of the states made it illegal. Right. New York was one of the first to make it legal. Mm -hmm. So when abortion is legalized, my best friend, Joanna, my second best friend, Mm -hmm. she's almost an errand. (laughs) <laughs> she is she yeah. is practically an Aaron honorary Aaron can we give oh let's do that honorary Ooh, yeah Aaron. okay I like that so anyway she calls the state's attorney and gets the, the charges are then dropped against the Janes so mm-hmm. yeah yeah they no longer had to do it mm-hmm. the Janes disbanded mm-hmm. one woman said she said I'm glad we could help them mm-hmm. but they shouldn't have had to go through it in the first place and I appreciate that sentiment so much because there's so many times I think about that. I, I'm glad that these people had help, but I wish they didn't need it. Yes. And again, it kind of comes back to this, like we are moving backwards Mm -hmm. in reproductive rights. So it's very hard to watch this and be like, well, this is what we're choosing to do. I mean, like, it's one thing to not know any better Mm -hmm. and, you know, learn something and change. Like that's gross, right? It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different animal to accept the fact or be okay with the fact that people are going to suffer and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're now choosing. Not me yeah. personally, but you know, those in charge as it were. Well, again, the people making the laws, it won't affect them. So they don't give yeah. a shit. Yeah. So kind of in the aftermath, the follow-up, if you will, the Janes operated between 1968 and 1973, and they were able to help women have 11,000 safe abortions is the estimate. Yep. Yep. It says, after Roe v. Wade, the Cook County Hospital closed its septic abortion ward because it was no longer needed. Neat Mm -hmm. how that works. Yeah. And so they were able to put resources or whatever to something else instead of like caring for botched abortions. Anyway. Yep. The women of Jane continued on as artists, educators, civil servants, community organizers, healthcare workers, writers, and mothers. Mm Mm-hmm. And how lovely. Just regular women. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a comment they made. We we're just ordinary women mm-hmm. trying to save other women's lives. So, yeah. and they did a lot. They really did. It was a great documentary. I really liked it. I feel a call to action. Let's say it that way. Mm-hmm. Like if they could do it, yes, I can do it in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, it made me think how fortunate I am that I probably won't be in this situation as I am leaving my reproductive years. I have children coming into reproductive years and um, Mm -hmm. it scares me for them. This new, I don't know, attitude we're facing. Mm -hmm. So I hope that they would come to me and not end up in a bad situation. I will try to help them make good decisions and you know, but it's, it's really a concern. I just, I think this is going to hurt lots of people and I'm scared. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. It doesn't affect me personally. I can no longer have kids and my two kids are boys, but it's not to say that their partners won't at some time or another need some kind of help. That's and, Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I want to be a safe place for people, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think no matter what a decision would be about an unplanned pregnancy, you're going to need support. So, yep. I mean, that's the least you can do, but I think it, it comes out of a willingness to, 
listen and consider and try to help and, you know, do those kinds of things. These aren't people who really set out to be revolutionaries. They just made a phone call. (laughs) Yep. So. Absolutely. They saw a problem. They wanted to be part of it. And it's Mm -hmm. hard. It's hard to sit and watch, you know, people protest and nothing happened, nothing Mm -hmm. happened. And so they decided to take action. And I love that. And it feels tangible. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, everything. I love this documentary so much. It made, it made me very angry, but it also made me want to fight. So yes, I understand. And that's part of this, right? Is that the fear and the overwhelm make in the uneducation is another one that make you susceptible Mm -hmm. to control and you don't have to be (laughs) right. Okay. Ready to talk about next week? Yes. What are we doing next week? Okay. So we're going to do the last tourist. This is a Hulu pick running about an hour and 41 minutes. I think it's going to be a little departure from what we're talking about now. It it probably will have a little bit of tension and whatever, but Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of different. Yeah. It's just discussing the tourist industry. Mm -hmm how it destroys some countries and environments and things, how some of that started to come back after the pandemic. And now we're heading right back into where we were. So it'll be interesting to watch. At least that's what I got from the preview. That's what I, yeah, understood too. um, (laughs) Not completely lighthearted, but kind of a different, a departure from uh, the horror that we've talked about this week. So yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, We're on all the platforms and uh, you can come find us on social media at Instagram and Twitter at go doc yourself. So super fun. Thank you guys for joining us this week. It was an important documentary. I hope you watched it and I hope you loved it. And if you haven't watched it yet, please do so. All right. Later. Bye.